Hey, it's been a while since I have done a Daniel Company teaching. Um, the reason it's been a while is I've had family. So Thanksgiving week, I had uh, my mother come. It's my first Thanksgiving uh, without dad. And so she came and uh, made it wonderful. And I am so appreciative to um, her husband, Stephen, and my sister for suggesting that. And then the following week, my sister came to visit. So it's been a very full uh, two weeks, but I'm excited to be here today. I wanted to get this in before I head to the gym. And uh, we are on Daniel chapter 5. And by the way, if you hear little clickety-clacks, that's my dog, Sam. He will probably stare at me in the doorway knowing he cannot come into my room and make it just really awkward to to teach today <laughs> but we're in daniel chapter 5 and the last place we stopped was when nebuchadnezzar did not get the understanding that was necessary for him to avoid becoming like an animal for seven years and his sin um was uh pride and then um we left off with him declaring that when his sanity uh returned all honor and glory in his kingdom also returned and he gave glory and honor to the God of Daniel and uh, so he recognized that the one true king is God and you cannot ever exalt yourself above him well now we're gonna fast forward Nebuchadnezzar has now either retired or passed away I'm pretty sure he's dead at this point and King Belshazzar is now running in his place but uh, this can confuse historians because actually Belshazzar was a co-regent with his dad. I think his dad name is uh, Nabinus, Nabinus, N-A-B-I-N-U-S, I believe is um, who, uh, or how that's spelled. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. I'm not, you know, obviously Babylonian, but uh, he was more like, spiritually minded no he's more like spiritually minded and pagan in his or idolatrous uh, focused in his role as king versus actually running the kingdom uh, also he had to be away for war quite a bit so Belshazzar um, was basically ruling Babylon while he was gone on his spiritual excursions and his uh, military excursions so here in Daniel chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, it says, Many years later, King Belshazzar gave a great feast for 1,000 of his nobles, and he drank wine with them. While Belshazzar was drinking the wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver cups that his predecessor, Nebuchadnezzar, had taken from the temple in Jerusalem. He wanted to drink from them with the nobles, his wives, and his concubines. So they brought these gold cups taken from the temple, the house of God in Jerusalem, and the king and his nobles, his wives, and his concubines drank from them. While they drank from them, they praised their gods, uh, let's see, while they drank from them, they praised their idols made of gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, and stone. Okay, so, um, oh, I do have it in here. Uh, it's actually spelled, uh, his dad's name, N-A-B-O-N-I-D-U-S. Uh, so Belshazzar and his father were co-regents, but also the final king of Babylon. His mother was probably the daughter of Nebuchadnezzar, 
and then his father was the son of a nobleman and also the high uh, she was the high priestess of the moon god of Haran now Daniel identifies him as the son of Nebuchadnezzar you know here in his book but a lot of the ancients did that because you know they're going to know Nebuchadnezzar as one of the greatest kings he's considered the king that made Babylon what it was and therefore he's letting him know hey he's a descendant of this guy um which was his grandfather actually so it can be confusing sometimes why they do that it's kind of like Jesus is called the son of David why because David was the dominant king in Israel's history he also is the one that established the throne upon which Jesus sits so uh you know just don't let that confuse you now Again, where scholars dispute this story for accuracy is in the fact that Daniel called him the king of Babylon when his father was actually the real king. But inscriptions have been found that revealed that Belshazzar's father entrusted the kingdom to him when he was gone over 10 years campaigning in Arabia. And then also, like I was uh, saying earlier, religious concerns took him away as well. Now, when Cyrus ba uh, invaded the Babylonian Empire, um, the dad of Belshazzar met, met him, but then he fled when he saw Cyrus's armies. Now, later he returned to Babylon and he surrendered it to the Persians as really just a mere formality. So what we're about to read um, over the next couple uh, lessons is, you know, he flees, Cyrus comes in, and then later the dad comes back and then officially surrenders it to King uh, Cyrus. So we're in the timeline of the story where Persia is the next empire that Nebuchadnezzar saw in his image uh, dream coming to take over the known world. Now, this feast was, quote, a sensual feast, sensual feast for the leaders of Babylonian society, meaning it was full of booze, sex, and idolatry. Belshazzar was half drunk when he made the disastrous decision to commit a deliberate act of sacrilege. Okay, so in verses 5 it says, Suddenly they saw the fingers of a human hand writing on the plaster wall of the king's palace near the lampstand. The king himself saw the hand as if wrote, and his face turned pale with fright. His knees knocked together in fear, and his legs gave way beneath him. The king shouted for the enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers to be brought before him. He said to these wise men of Babylon, whoever can read this writing and tell me what it means will be dressed in purple robes of royal honor and will have a gold chain placed around his neck. He will become the third highest ruler in the kingdom. But when all the king's wise men had come in, none of them could read the writing or tell him what it meant. So the king grew even more alarmed and his face turned pale. His nobles 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 too were shaken okay you know i'm wondering if either uh facebook has uh shadow banned me or if i'm on the wrong facebook page it's making me a little bit nervous so you know what just to make sure because i don't want to waste you know minutes like i did that one time let me look at my home page and make sure this is being distributed let's just let's just bear oh, good grief I can't even get on um, on my iPad 
well, you know what? I'm just going to keep going and hope I'm in the right place. Now, this is reminiscent of Nebuchadnezzar promising promotion for whoever told him his dream and then also gave him the interpretation. Um, but the problem is that no one can solve Nebuchadnezzar's dilemma, not even the brightest and the best. So Daniel at this point was either in semi-retirement or complete retirement, and no one thinks to bring him forward except for one. It says, but when the queen mother heard what was happening, she hurried to the banquet hall. She said to Belshazzar, long live the king, don't be so pale and frightened. There is a man in your kingdom who has within him the spirit of the holy gods. During Nebuchadnezzar's reign, this woman, or this man, was found to have insight, understanding, and wisdom like that of the gods. Your predecessor, the king, your predecessor, King Nebuchadnezzar, made him chief over all the magicians, enchanters, astrologers, and fortune tellers of Babylon. This man, Daniel, whom the king named Belteshazzar, has exceptional ability and is filled with divine knowledge and understanding. He can interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. Call for Daniel, and he will tell you what the writing means. I mean, this is just, I love this. So I want to break down the, these attributes here, because obviously his reputation exceeded him. I mean, exceptional ability filled with divine knowledge and understanding can interpret dreams, explain riddles, and solve difficult problems. So I want to um, give you some insight or break down these words. So the word insight, that he has uh, insight, means that Daniel was able to discern things that others found baffling. Now, this is a supernatural quality, one that you can ask God to give you and train you in uh, as you are out in the marketplace needing to solve problems, needing to have that insight that other people don't have because they don't have Jesus. Or... Um, for you to be presented before people that you need to be presented before because of your ability so that you can um, then fulfill the reason you were born, the purpose you were put on the earth. Now, understanding is a wisdom that cannot be attained by human training, but can only come from God. So there's absolutely um, the place for becoming wiser and practical skill, practical knowledge of how you do life, how your relationships look, how your finances look, how your business is ran. All of those things are important and should not be dismissed. But what is the understanding here is that this type of understanding, this type of wisdom only comes from God. So again, it's where You've got insight that is able to look at baffling situations and come up with solutions. Now you have an understanding that is a wisdom that comes only from God. So it's a supernatural, natural appearing ability, if that makes sense. So it's supernaturally natural for the believer to walk in this level of insight and understanding. And it's something that I ask God for all the time. I read the book of Proverbs to get even more every single day. I, I don't know how long I've been in the book of Proverbs. I mean, we might be over five years now, um, might be six or seven, but I cannot get away from it. Maybe it's my life book. I don't know, but I absolutely love it. Now, wisdom 
is the same word that we dissected at the beginning of this study. So you've not, if you've not watched those or listened to those, because it is on the podcast for Destination Church, um, if you've not, uh, I would suggest you do. But it's also the same wisdom that we see in the book of Proverbs. It's basically the best plan executed the best way to bring the best results, okay? So wisdom is the best plan executed the best way to bring the best results. And it's also doing what you need to do before you need to do it. That's really important. And, uh, and I love that aspect of wisdom. Now, the word solve is a very interesting word. It's actually made up of two. One means to loosen, to dissolve, to solve, and it carries a sense of support, aid, help, and to disentangle problems. It also means to loose joints or sockets, which leads to the second word, and that word is hip joint. It refers to the connecting joints of a person's hips that provide a person's major stability for standing upright. Now that's interesting. It has a sense of a twisted connection, and in a figurative sense, it refers to a complicated problem to be solved and undone. Okay, so I am a person who trains regularly. I used to be a personal trainer, and one of the things that can happen when you train regularly without stretching is your hips can get super, super tight. In fact, well, even without training, I mean, a lot of people's lower back pain is actually um, more uh, hip pain. Their hips are tight. And once you stretch the hips, your back pain will go away. Uh, and your glutes, that's really important because they're all part of it. So the, all of that area, your glutes, your front hips, and your, your side. Tight hips is one of the worst things. It can cause a lot of pain. I remember years ago, I was in so much pain in my left hip, I could barely walk on it. I was limping. And that's actually when I learned that if I stretched my glutes, uh, that the hip pain will go away. And sure enough, it did. And it was, it was real sharp. Like it felt like a knife was stabbing me on the inside, which is why I didn't recognize that I had tight muscles. I thought maybe I had a nerve issue or whatever. And then my son, who was also a personal trainer, said, Mom, you just need to stretch your glutes. That'll take care of the hip. I did, and I was fine. So causes lots of problems hip pain does with walking, with sleeping, uh, with sitting. So if your hips are tight, you're feeling constricted and like you're tied up in knots, but you're also not stable because a hip, I don't know if you guys have noticed, if a hip is um, not happy, you, you might fall on the floor. I mean, I've gotten up before the pain was so bad, I almost landed on my knees uh, a couple times, almost you know, fell over because my hip was either stuck or it just didn't feel good. So what people that solve dilemmas do is they untangle the knots and they allow the person that they're solving the problem for to stand upright, to have a stability that is brought back to the world because a dilemma has shaken everything, okay? Um, it's puzzled them. It's maybe frustrated them. So Daniel um, recognized that problems can restrict. They limit forward motion. And so he had the ability to loosen the joints, the knotty problems, so that people could move forward. And that's the role you play is when you solve dilemmas, you're helping people make forward uh, progress. And he also was able to provide the stability and support of those in his care. In other words, he was a marketplace minister. 
Okay, let me see. I think what I'm going to do is end on that note um, because I think that's really, really a good place. Um, yeah, I think I'm going to go ahead and I'll start uh, next week in uh, verse 13. So just remember that you are anointed to have insight and discern things that others find baffling. You have understanding, which is a wisdom that only comes from God. You also have wisdom in that you know the best plan executed the best way for the best results before it needs to be done. And you also have the ability to loosen up problems so that those you serve in the marketplace can have forward movement. Okay, and I, I'm going to try to do um, urgent education later. I'm not sure. Um, if I'm in the have time, but if not, I will do it tomorrow. Okay. I will see you guys either tomorrow, later today or tomorrow.